Nicholas Nation, we are super excited to bring you this community Ask Me Anything. This is your opportunity to ask our guests question. We are streaming this live on YouTube. We usually do this on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month. This time it's Thursday, but next time it will be the fourth Wednesday of March. So check it out. You can also get it on the podcast the day after. I'm super excited about our guest today because the subject is topical. The subject is absolutely blowing up. We're talking about NFTs today, and there's so much going on in the NFT world. We've got an absolute expert. This is Devin Finster, who is the co-founder of OpenSea. David, what's going on with NFTs? Why are we bringing on a guest to talk about NFTs? Yeah, people would think that like we're done talking about NFTs, but like <laughs> NFTs aren't done like maturing or being discovered by people. So the, the surface area for NFTs is endless. And the, the news of this week is that uh, Rob Gronkowski, otherwise known as Gronk, uh, pro football player, uh, tight end for, I'm not a football person, big, big football player. Yeah, ta yeah, Tampa Bay. Um, dropped NFTs, right? And so he, the, we have now pro sports athletes dropping NFTs. Beeple, as of this morning, sold an NFT for $69 million. What? Uh, so the, the rabbit hole just keeps on going. Uh, and so a really important piece of infrastructure for NFTs is OpenSea, uh, which is a place that I use to explore and uh, kind of view, view my inventory of NFTs and also see the inventories of NFTs that are out there. Uh, but there's also so much more that it does as well. So we got Devin on to just ask what, what's up with OpenSea. And so we're going to bring him on in just a sec. Guys, start queuing your questions in YouTube if you have them. We're going to start with some questions from David and myself, but we will get to your questions as we see them in YouTube. Before we get to Devin, start talking about OpenSea, start talking about NFTs. We want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Aave is a borrowing and lending protocol on Ethereum and just recently released Aave version 2, which has a ton of cool new features that makes using Aave even more powerful. With Aave, you can leverage the full power of DeFi, Money Legos, Yield, and Composability all in one application. On Aave, there are a ton of assets that you can deposit in order to gain yield, and all of those same assets can also be borrowed from the protocol if you have deposited collateral. Here you can see me getting a 200 USDC loan against my portfolio of a number of different DeFi tokens and ETH. I'll choose a variable interest rate because it's a lower rate than the stable interest rate option, but I could choose the stable interest rate option if I wanted to lock that interest rate in permanently. One of Aave's V2 features is the ability to switch swap collateral without having to withdraw your assets, trade them on Uniswap, and then deposit them back into Aave. Aave does all of this for you, all in one seamless transaction, so you don't have to repay loans in order to change the collateral you have backing them. Check out the power of Aave at Aave.com. That's A-A-V-E.com. If you are looking for a product that connects your fiat bank account with DeFi tokens and products, you need to download the Dharma mobile app. Dharma is a non-custodial smart contract wallet and comes with a bridge that connects you right into your bank account. Dharma is the fastest and most efficient wallet between your fiat in your bank account and any token on Uniswap, or even any vault in Yearn. With Dharma, you can get over $25,000 per week into the DeFi universe, and you can do it non-custodially. If you or anyone you know is hot on DeFi and you're trying to get your money into a DeFi investment, Dharma is the place to go. Signing up and going through KYC is an absolute breeze. It took me just under three minutes, and after signing into my bank account via Plaid, I am now just one transaction away from any token that Uniswap has to offer. Go to www.dharma.io, that's D-H-A-R-M-A dot download the Dharma app, and get yourself unbanked today. Hey, this is Devin Finster, who is the co-founder of OpenSea. He's also a non-fungible human. That means he is unique, cannot be exchanged with any other human being. Devin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on. Are you ready for this bankless AMA, sir? I'm ready. All right. Any questions, guys? Put them in YouTube. Let's start with this question because, Devin, it really feels like NFTs are having their moment. NFTs are blowing up right now. We've got Beeple. We had three Lao on the podcast. <laughs> we had Blau on the podcast yesterday. <laughs> Sorry, not free Lao. That, that's an inside <laughs> joke, Dave. 
that Rod inside joke Gronkowski. just made out. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I got out. Uh, Blau on the podcast. Rob Gronkowski now dropping NFTs. It really feels like they are being uh, discovered, right? I mean, they've been in crypto for a while, but now they're being discovered. Why are NFTs blowing up, do you think? I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I, th I think it's hard to point to one specific application and say this was the reason NFTs blow up, right? If you pointed to people, you know, you could point to Top Shot. You could point to, um, you know, all all of these different applications that are coming online at roughly the same time. Um, I think a lot of those added fuel to the fire, but I really think that the underlying reason was just the accumulation of a lot of hard work over the last three years from everyone who is involved in the space. So if you look at 2017, late 2017, when CryptoKitties launched, um, really the only thing you could do in the NFT space was you could buy a CryptoKitty, you could breed a CryptoKitty, you could sell a CryptoKitty. And that was that was the entire NFT space. It was really born from, from that project. But over the last three years, now there's so much more. There's NFT creation, there's NFT marketplaces like ourselves. Um, there's, you know, uh, even brand new blockchains like flow that are devoted specifically to NFTs. Um, there's NFT indexes, there's NFT collateralization, and all of these things are just creating this really cool ecosystem. And then you throw some fuel on the fire with things like people selling, you know, it previously for uh, 4 million now for uh, even, even more, but you, th you throw that on the fire and, and then you have this rich ecosystem that people can really dive into. And, you know, I think that's just a recipe for really explosive growth of the space. And, you know, it, I think for us, from our vantage point, it was, it was interesting to see because um, it, you know, it was just kind of really slowly growing. It was a lot of momentum and excitement from the people who were excited about it, but really just contained to that sort of uh, early adopter community. And now all of a sudden the, the curve is just, it's insane to see the speed at which these trends evolve and in which they go viral. Right. And you're sort of, you're also the other the last thing i would say is that you're building on this foundation of social media where everyone's already hyper connected so these trends can just go you know get broad reach really quickly um through things like twitter and uh, clubhouse and all of these different platforms so so on on that note i kind of i want to bring this question to the front front of the conversation because uh, there's a, a decent amount of like the core ethereum people the people that have been with ethereum since, since the bear market right and they are seeing that growth that you are talking about that parabola that you guys are talking about and saying that this is unsustainable and these prices are absurd mm -hmm. and you know flashbacks to the ico mania uh it, it can't continue like this what would you say to people that are are worried about the sustainable nature of this new movement? Well, I think it's a good point. I think there's there's certainly cyclical, uh, there's crypto cyclical, and I think NFTs will probably have cyclical uh, elements to them. Um, but I do think that this is a very, very different phenomenon from what we, we saw with ICOs. With ICOs, you know, it was about these sort of projects that had this, you know, maybe nebulous long-term vision. And then it was really about investing and flipping. Whereas, you know, there is some of that in the NFT space today, but uh, a lot of it is around creating, curating, collecting, supporting artists directly. It's not about sort of investing in this sort of like hype dream. Uh, you know, a lot of the ICOs were, were legitimate, but, but some of them just weren't. And some of them were, you know, felt really scammy and just not, and, and you know didn't feel like a, a good thing for the space in this case i think there's there's certainly you know scenarios where there's you know nfts that are are, are not worth buying or, or nfts that feel overinflated. um but i really do think that this is the birth of a much more interesting renaissance in um in in creator activity and 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 the, and the design space is just so much wider than icos that i think we do actually have um you know, maybe maybe there's going to be a little bit of a correction, but I think we have a long way up, as you were saying earlier. Um, there's that so much is underexplored right now. Whereas ICOs, it kind of felt like at some point, you know, there wasn't much else to do besides just buy the token and kind of hope it was going up. Here, there's just a lot of richness that I think um, uh, will will sort of evolve over the next little while. Yeah, one thing that uh, I, I kind of see in idea uh, in the NFT space, in contrast to ICOs, is NFTs almost feel, Devin, like they're more honest than ICOs yeah. were because 
with, with, with NFTs, you know exactly what you're buying. You're buying a piece of culture. You're buying a meme. There's, nothing's pretending to be like a utility token that can be turned into money, right? Like we know exactly what we're buying. We're buying subjective art pieces basically, right? Yeah. And there's no, um, you know, here's our business model. There's no like, um, this is how our, our token's going to magically accrue value or, you know, kill Ethereum or anything like that. It's just, these are creator communities that are saying, here's our NFT, you can buy it or not. And the market is really giving the feedback as far as what, what the value of these things are. Does that resonate with you? No, I think that's a great, that's a great way of framing it. And I haven't, I haven't heard that sort of, uh, exact framing, but I think, um, I think that's, yeah, I, I totally agree. So the other thing that I'm seeing is, um, and I love that you used uh, a few kind of verbs because on Bankless, we always talk about like all of the new verbs that we could do in this open money system. You use verbs like creating and, and curation and collecting, right? These are very NFT, these are collectible verbs. And um, you know, I'm somewhat drawn to that, but like getting back to kind of the, the waves of interest here, do, do you feel like part of this too, uh, part of the, you know, what we're seeing in, in terms of price and these big sales is, we're seeing different communities suddenly discover NFTs, right? So maybe we've seen kind of the, the Beeple digital art community suddenly discovering NFTs. And so they flood into the space. Now, maybe we're seeing the beginnings of the uh, professional athlete community, right? We had Mark Cuban on who's talking about this, but you've got Gronk doing something with OpenSea. And now that fan base is starting to discover it. So is that what's going, is that what we're really seeing here? And you mentioned that you still see this as, as kind of early in its discovery phase. Is that just because, you know, we're going to see wave after wave of community kind of discover this? Talk, talk to me about that process. Which communities have discovered this and who do you think is next? Great question. I, I think, um, well, if you zoom, if you go back in time to even you know, early 2018, when this was first a thing, actually the community that got the most excited about NFTs was the gaming community, right? So CryptoKitties was technically a game, it was a pretty simple game, um, but there was this idea from sort of the fringes of, of the gaming community that maybe you could have games that were more like free market economies versus your traditional game where it's actually what games are, are very sophisticated in their uh, sort of economic policies and economic structures, but they're completely centrally controlled and completely closed. You don't have imports, exports, you don't really, you have some entrepreneurial activity, but it's kind of looked look down upon, right? Um, so what if the, the idea with the gaming space was like, well, what if you took these closed economies and you opened them up and you allowed things to move from one game to another game, you allowed open markets to exist, that was really what captivated a lot of the attention from from gamers um, from both gamers and game developers the thing that i think was challenging was that um, in order to make that work um you know ethereum had a lot of limitations of the user experience um you know had a long way to go and then of course what we've seen over the last six months is that gas prices really just made it difficult to support the full range of economic activity from a one dollar item to like a hundred dollar item so gaming um, has has done well in certain areas, and particularly in kind of maybe we'll talk a little bit about this, but the the virtual real estate market projects like the Central and Crypto Voxels and Sandbox. But for the most part, things have shifted towards this more the simpler use case where it's these really high value art pieces. Um, and I think a, a large reason for that is just that the technology it, that you know that's what the technology can support right now. They can support things that are being sold for thousands of dollars. Um, but it's hard to support things that are sold for a lot less. And I think that will change over time um, and really enable a broad set of use cases here. Um, in terms of what communities I think uh, will get involved, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's just community after community after community um, and, and you know, goes beyond just, uh, it, you know, everything from musicians, um, artists, influencers, really there's something to be done here for everyone. Um, and there's people who want to support these people who have really had a lot, a lot of trouble monetizing in the past. Um, and so that's not to say that everyone, every influencer should be able to sell millions of dollars of NFTs and not saying that's sustainable, but I do think that, you know, once you have the full spectrum of being able to, you know, buy an NFT for 50 cents, for example, um, you know, that's that supporting a creator through purchasing their NFT when there's, you know, the possibility of reselling it in the future is, is super exciting and super compelling. 
Um, and so if it's looking at kind of what I think might come next, um, I think expanding to just lots of different users, small and large, um, and then also expanding to the gaming use case that was sort of the, the early dream of the space, I think will happen with um, as the technology kind of gets better. Devin, you alluded to this, and I, and I want to go back to this, uh, about the design space behind NFTs and drawing, drawing mm -hmm. parallels from earlier in history, earlier in Ethereum history. Uh, we had like this early use case of ERC-20 tokens, which were this yeah. many different currencies. And this turned into the ICO mania. That was unsustainable. We kind of figured out that currency wasn't really the best use case for all of these projects. But then we innovated and went through a bear market. And then we came out with DeFi tokens. And that's kind of like the new paradigm for ERC-20 tokens. And we, we often talk on the Bankless program about how Ethereum is really speed running the history of money and finance as fast as it can. Like in the last five years, we've ran through like 2000 years of, of human history yeah. of money and finance. And now we're kind of are where, where we are at today. Uh, and I think we could draw a similar parallel with NFTs and art, right? And what's unique about NFTs and, and art is like, it's a digital token in the back, graphic, uh, digital art in the front, but that back end like hooks into financial apparatuses, right? Financial stuff. DeFi is what we call it. And so like this, this uh, software layer that is inherently a, a software financial layer can be upgraded and innovated on. And so that's, you know, artists are going to work on their art. They're going to innovate on their art and that's going to be what they do. And that's going to be independent from Ethereum. But the NFT is also something to innovate and develop and improve upon. And so right now you said like we are kind of stuck in this early phase where we just have these high value NFTs like that just represent a single piece of digital art. And that, to me, sounds like the early primitives of something much cooler and much bigger down the line. Where, where do you see this first innovation coming? Like, where, what is going to be the cool new innovation in NFTs, at least on the financial and software side, that really helps promote this industry and make it sustainable in the same way DeFi tokens made ERC-20 uh, tokens hmm. sustainable? Interesting. Yeah, I, I guess what I would say, or one, one thing to kind of think about is... Um, and I don't know if this sort of falls under your classification of like the front end art or the back end software, but um, I do think that at the end of the day, these assets can represent all sorts of things in the existing digital world or even the real world. So for example, like right now, you know, you have these simple um, pieces of digital art that people buy and they're just, the provenance is sort of the, the main thing about it, right? The fact that it came from people makes it exciting and compelling and makes people want to spend millions of dollars on it. But um, there's also just the raw utility of uh, one of these NFTs. So for example, you could imagine um, selling event tickets as NFTs. Um, and those event tickets could be in a real world event or they could be in a virtual event. Um, in the gaming space, you can sell swords inside of a, a video game, right? Um, or you could sell courses as NFTs or for musicians and creators and influencers, you could sell access to exclusive content um, or access to special privileges. Um, I think there's a whole, I think we're starting with just collectibles, um, but layering utility on top of these things um, is gonna be really compelling. Um, but I do think that um, sort of to, to what I was saying earlier, um, I think that in order to have, or I think one of the unlocks will be having the full spectrum of economic uh, activity on these assets. And I do think that you need to be able to have a scenario where someone can buy something for just a dollar or just $2. So I think a big unlock and probably, you know, also a big unlock for DeFi as well is being able to not have to spend $50 in gas to acquire an NFT. Um, and at that point, you know, you, you're not just sort of talking about these super exclusive, like high value collector art items. Then you're talking about things that just are useful because, you know, digital stuff on the internet is already useful in some context and there's no reason that it can't be traded on open markets and usable in other applications and just a better sort of more open primitive for for digital stuff as an example like you know anything from like uh you know djs will sell their um their snippets of uh, uh samples from their music right and they do that on like a you know some some marketplace out there there's no reason that that couldn't be an nfc as well it'd be tradable on you know, hundreds of different marketplaces. 
I like the analogy, the analogy I've heard of what you're describing these like, so we have the high value transactions going on right now in the NFT world and in DeFi in general to like soon in the future, we'll have the lower value NFT transactions and there'll be many of them. It's, it's very similar to like the bandwidth of the internet, right? In the early days when we had 56K modems, uh, we couldn't load graphics, we couldn't stream movies, we couldn't have interactive gaming experiences. What did we need? More infrastructure. We needed high bandwidth in order to do that. And yeah. this is very much what NFTs are doing and what crypto is, is doing. Uh, more trustless transactions per second. That's kind of the uh, one element of, of bandwidth of this entire space. Um, but Devin, we, we've come this far and I want to get into what OpenSea is. Um, because that's important for us. And I know there, there are a ton of bankless listeners who are actually users of uh, OpenSea. We've done tactics on OpenSea, like how to, how to uh, trade uh, an ES, ENS name, which is a, you know, a, a domain name specific to Ethereum. It's an early NFT case. Um, can you tell us what OpenSea actually is? And as you're doing so, can you fit it in the context of all the other things like layers that you see uh, are important in understanding the NFT market space and what goes on here? Sure. So OpenSea is a marketplace for NFTs. Um, so you can think of it kind of like an eBay or Amazon, um, but instead of physical items being traded around, we trade these uh, digital assets. Um, and these are, of course, NFTs. Um, in terms of how we kind of fit into the ecosystem, I think one, one kind of way to think about NFTs is um, when you own a physical item, um, you can kind of do whatever you want with that physical thing, right? You could go and you could give it to someone across the world. You could throw it in the trash if you really wanted to. You could go and sell it um, on eBay. Um, with digital assets, there's never really been a, a digital asset eBay, right? Because um, you don't actually, you've never owned your digital stuff, right? So now that you do own your digital stuff, um, you can go and you can sell any NFT that's out there um, on OpenSea, right? You can come and you can, um, you know, you can connect your MetaMask wallet. You can see all of your stuff in your wallet, um, and then you can go and, and put it on sale, or you can go and browse and purchase stuff. Now, I think David, you were mentioning um, another sort of role of OpenSea, which was that we started so early in the space. We actually started like right after CryptoKitties launched that um, we, uh, we became sort of this explorer for NFTs. So we index every NFT that's out there on the market um, and uh, we allow you to kind of dive in and see the history of the NFT. So if you click on one of those uh, NFTs uh, in, the, in the screen share here, you can go and um, look at all of the events that have uh, happened on that NFT. So when was it created? When was it transferred? Sort of the provenance of it, um, and so we're sort of like an ether scan, but a little more oriented towards um, consumers as opposed to developers. Um, so that's another another function. And then the last thing I would say is that one thing that we've gotten into recently is just better tools for creators who want to um, go and issue NFTs really easily. So um, these Rob Gunkowski uh, NFTs, for example, um, were actually created on OpenSea. Um, and then just sold directly through our, our platform. So we've been investing in uh, making that easier as well. Devin, I want to dive into something that you said. You said uh, OpenSea is an indexer for NFTs. And this is a, uh, a subject matter that I've been trying to wrap my head around. And I think is really, really important. So yeah. a, p a piece of digital art can go through a hashing algorithm and spit out a hash. And that is yeah. what an NFT cites when it cites that this is the token this hash is represented by this token, and that's how we connect the art to the token. The art mm -hmm. doesn't exist on Ethereum because art is very large in data. Uh, art can be up to um, up to like mega, me many many megabytes, and a single Ethereum block is less is less than one megabyte, right? So you can't actually put art on the blockchain. It needs to cite an alternative database, and the way that we solve this problem is we just say that, well, this token, we, we take that information, we take that data, run it through a hashing algorithm and append to that hash to the token. And that's how we say that these things are connected. The problem is, is that if that database goes down, we kind of lose access to, to the art, but the hash is still persistent. So if that image 
is circulating on the internet as data does on the internet. It circulates infinitely copyable. That persistency is available. But what you're saying is, is at OpenSea is you guys index all of this stuff, which to me represents some sort of redundancy or anti-fragility, right? So like, what if for some unfortunate reason, Nifty Gateway goes down and you lose access to visualizing uh, your NFT and your art. But at least OpenSea has done some amount of indexing to help retain that sort of digitally native aspect of the art. Uh, talk, can you talk about that and why that's so important? Yeah, I think it's a great point. And I, uh, actually, to, to give a couple examples of this happening, um, this was you know, maybe a year ago or something, we, we saw a bunch of games kind of shut down. So they would launch their NFTs, they'd allow them to be tradable, they'd have this really simple game associated with it, and then kind of decided like, you know, this, is, this isn't really working out, so we're gonna go ahead and do something else. And so there were these communities of people who had bought these game items. You know, they know that like, there's always a chance that the game, you know, stops, stops developing itself. It's an, you know, an early alpha, early beta. Um, but what they but what they decided was, well, all of the game items are still out there on Ethereum. You can still look at them on OpenSea. Um, and they decided to go and and rally the community about around building the game. Um, so they sort of built the game, rebuilt the game. They um, you know took over the website, and you know that's possible and without NFTs, but it's a lot harder, right? Because <laughs> the database is like very proprietary. Um, you know, you might. The, the user login system is probably like some some proprietary system and the assets aren't like you know maybe they're they're like kind of deleted or whatever um and and so doing this where you can um sort of revive the project um by because the assets are still out there and because OpenSea is sort of serving as as you said redundancy layer is really interesting um and uh so i think yeah there there is this challenge on um, on Ethereum around sort of the limitations of what you can store on chain. And typically you just store the ownership layer on Ethereum and then the actual metadata layer is off chain. And so what we've provided is sort of a utility for joining those two, right? So um, the ownership layer will always be managed by this decentralized system, um, but there's these, these parties that kind of act as um, indexers or, or kind of utilities for pulling in that data and, and making it available to users and, and providing it even if the original project uh, shuts down. Devin, I got a question from YouTube that is specifically about this, and, and maybe you've already answered sure. it in part, but I would like to address the question a little bit more directly. This is from Zetaphor on YouTube. Thanks for the question. Uh, can we please talk about asset hosting, which is what we're talking about? Uh, there was a recent example of someone changing the art asset after an NFT was sold on OpenSea. IPFS slash Arweave supports when? Question mark. Maybe you could also talk about wh uh, what um, IPFS or Arweave support and how that can help this whole all this infrastructure. Right, right. Yeah, I think it's um, so to kind of dive into the technical details um, when when. NFTs first emerged, um, you had CryptoKitties. And again, they had the CryptoKitties IDs stored on the blockchain, but then the CryptoKitty metadata, the name, description, image, was stored on their own servers, right? And so if CryptoKitties ever shut down, um, you know, there, there'd still be the redundancy of OpenSea, but um, the sort of original source of truth for the CryptoKitties would, could, could disappear. Um, and so now what, <clears throat> what people have started doing, or you know, what a lot of projects do, especially these really high value art projects is they store the metadata on a decentralized file storage system like IPFS or Arweave. Um, and then we can sort of go and pull that and host it on our own server so that it can be easily displayed. But that source of truth is, um, you know, as long as those decentralized networks keep on running, you can't really tamper with the, the original metadata and you can't mutate it um, or you can't change it. So um, in terms of OpenSea, we are working on, currently when you create an asset on OpenSea, we, we just use our sort of caching layer and, and we um, host it centrally. And it, and it does mean that if, if you wanted to go and change the metadata, you could, um, but we are work actively working on um, making, giving you a bunch of different options. So if you wanna use a decentralized file storage system to, to make your NFTs, you're welcome to. Um, and uh, I do think that that's a, a very important piece of the space to keep the art truly kind of decentralized and not dependent on a third party. I will say that I think sometimes um, people, I think there's an important element 
with all of these conversations around pragmatism, right? Um, and uh, I think, you know, there are often, oftentimes I think people overlook how strong the incentives can be to um, maintain these sorts of uh, platforms and, the, and, and maintain the metadata in a, in a way that aligns with the user's interest. For example, for a game um, building assets, right? Like they're incentivized, they're not gonna necessarily go and um, change the assets willy-nilly. And if they do, OpenSea will have a record of that, right? So we, there's a still accountability in place if, if you're using a centralized API. Um, but I do definitely agree that like, as time goes on, um, especially for these really high value art pieces, it's critical to have them stored on the centralized file storage systems as opposed to just on central servers. So Devin, we, we often talk about all of crypto as this new digital economy that has suddenly sprung up. So we've got the yep. traditional economy on the left, and then you've got this bridge. Uh, exchanges are often a bridge. And then you've got the new economy, the Ethereum economy, the digital economy, the crypto economy, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, the cool thing about this new economy is that there is, as Chris Berninski has said on the podcast before, infinite white space. So there are all of these opportunities. And on Bankless, we, we make the analogy of it's like heading west uh, to a land of, of new opportunity where we can set up towns and shops and, and create California, entirely new economies, right? Yeah. Um, can you talk about your, we were talking about those, those verbs earlier, the, the curating and the, the, the creating and the collecting type of verbs. What sort of opportunities are there for, for laborers, for entrepreneurs in NFTs specifically that you're seeing who are using OpenSea? I, I recall the early days of, of um, the, you know, the internet and suddenly there was a, a, a job. You could be a, an eBay seller, like full time. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how do people make money? In this new economy, specifically with NFTs on on OpenSea. Yeah, well, I think it. I think there's just so much uh, opportunity, and I would maybe categorize it into uh, a few different buckets. Um, one is if you're a creator. I think um, you know we've seen, not suggesting that people do this, but we have seen people leave their jobs to just become full time digital artists and and sort of follow their passion. And I think just at a high level, one of the really exciting things that's happening is that we're seeing the first instances of sort of the jobs of the future, right? Where we've always talked about like someone being like a VR architect or like just going and pursuing a creative passion and being able to monetize it um, and being able to have an in, a sustainable income off of that. Um, so I, I think we're seeing that at the very beginnings of that. Um, and so if you're a creator, I think um, there's tons of opportunities to get involved. And again, you know, it is a little bit challenging on Ethereum today because you're you're sort of uh, marketing to these really high, or you're typically marketing really high value stuff. But I think that will really change over time, um, and and really be you'll be able to sell to people who don't who don't have tons of money but want to contribute at least a little bit, right? And and aren't looking to just flip. And maybe maybe they do get to benefit from the upside in the future. But the main sort of use case is just supporting the artist in in a way that's a little that is a little more participatory. Than something like Patreon, where you're just literally donating, right? Um, so I think cr the creator opportunity is huge right now. Um, then I think a second uh, sort of class of opportunities is the developer opportunity. And here it's anything from, um, you know, a, an indie developer or you know someone doing a side project to uh, to a company that's starting in the NFT space and really going after a bigger vision. Um, and in the sort of first category, I think. There's so much opportunity to push the frontier of the programmability of NFTs. Um, so uh, most NFTs today are just a raw, you own it and you can send it around and you can buy and sell it. And maybe it has some utility in the real world. Maybe it's an event ticket or something like that. But at the smart contract layer, it's super dead simple. It's just you know raw ERC-721 or raw ERC-1155. What some developers are doing is they're really pushing the what what's happening at the smart contract level so they're creating generative art projects where the art is sort of randomly generated from a transaction path um you know there's maybe there's two tokens involved there's the nfts and then there's also sort of an erc20 that feeds into the economic system you know creates some incentive system around it and then you know the the art uh you know can maybe change over time depending on and, playing around bonding curves there's so much there's just so much to do there um 
if you if you have a little bit of development experience or you're you're interested in acquiring it, um, I think it's a really fertile ground. And I'll, I feel like I'm a broken record here, but I think it'll really get more fertile as we have uh, more scalable solutions where, again, you're not paying super high transaction costs. Um, so, so that's the, the second opportunity. Um, and then probably the third one is for companies, right? I think, uh, I do think that this is sort of the beginning of a brand new platform and a brand new paradigm um, that's been accumulating over the last while, you know, and, and, and very much intersects with all of the stuff that's happening in DeFi. So I think there's going to be really ripe opportunities to build uh, powerful brands around that, um, powerful consumer experiences, like like the ones the one we built at OpenSea or we're building at OpenSea. Um, I think there's there's going to be more of that um, as time goes on. So tons tons of opportunity, definitely the wild west at the moment. Yeah. You know, one thing I was thinking as you were saying that is um, sometimes the biggest opportunities can be the synthesis of, of some of those things put together, right? Mm -hmm. So like if, if you are on the, 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 the front lines of this and really understand the NFT world, you know, uh, there's also this speculative nature to these assets, these crypto assets. But what if you can speculate on interesting communities, interesting NFTs, and use, if you're a developer, use your development skills to then improve those NFTs and improve that community and realize the value on the other side? Like, it, there's so much you can plug into as far as like taking existing NFTs and even adding them to something that you're doing and uh, making it better. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat reminded of like, um, your private equity firms who will sometimes come into a company and buy a portion of it. They'll invest in that company, but they come into that company and, and turn around their, their management, for instance, and add some value in the process. You can kind of do that with NFTs because there is this investment nature to them as well. If you are actively improving the community and improving the culture, um, you can realize the upside in some of those gains too. So fascinating space. Um, Devin, we're going to get right back to you with some more questions, take some of the questions from YouTube. I think we've also got some around this, this new world of higher economic bandwidth that we want to see with NFTs that we've got to get to. But uh, first, before we do, we want to tell you about the sponsors that made this episode possible. Guys, we've entered a bull market. Now is the time to start building your crypto empire, and you should do it on Gemini. Gemini is the world's most trusted cryptocurrency exchange. It's available in 50 countries, supports more than 30 crypto assets, including DeFi tokens like DAI, Aave, Uni, and YFI. I love their DeFi token support. You can buy crypto safely and securely on Gemini's mobile app or their exchange. You can know that your assets are protected with industry-leading security. And they're not only protected, they're also insured. I've been a loyal Gemini user since 2016. The Winklevoss twins are the founders. They've been on the podcast. They believe in the bankless vision. They are helping to onboard the world. So get ready for the bull market. Open a free account in less than three minutes at gemini.com slash go bankless and get $15 after you trade $100 or more within the first 30 days. That's gemini.com slash go bankless. If you want to live a bankless life, you need to get a Monolith DeFi Visa card. Monolith is both a one-two punch of an Ethereum smart contract wallet, as well as an accompanying Visa card that lets you spend the money that you have in your Ethereum wallet wherever Visa is accepted. It's really a fantastic tool that lets you use Ethereum for what it does best, which is holding and managing your financial assets, but also keeps you connected to the rest of the world's payment rails. Monolith also offers on-ramp services for getting your fiat money into the world of DeFi. So it's trivial to top up your Monolith card if ever you need to, and your deposited money goes straight into your non-custodial wallet. So your money is never held by a centralized intermediary because your Monolith wallet is native to Ethereum. Monolith helps you transcend both the legacy and the crypto worlds because the money that you hold in your Monolith wallet has the power of DeFi behind it. Swapping assets on Uniswap or earning yield in DeFi is at your fingertips. But with Monolith, so are the groceries at your grocery store or the coffee at your coffee shop. Go to monolith.xyz to sign up and get your Monolith Visa card today. All right, guys, we are back with Devin of OpenSea. I want to get right into a question that we got on the Bankless YouTube from uh, Risky Car, I think is the username. How How is OpenSea helping democratize access to NFTs, right? NFTs are this cool new tool, cool new financial tool. And the, the power of Ethereum is that it's democratizing access to all of these financial tools. 
yet this these gas fees are an issue and really just getting in the way of that democratization of these new financial tools that can really allow creators to create. Uh, how how can we help? How how's OpenSea helping? Uh, at, like provide better and stronger access to these tools to help creators create without having to worry about $100 gas fees that are denominated in, in ETH. Yeah. So I would say there's sort of the short term stuff we're doing and then the more medium term stuff, which is, which is coming on the horizon very quickly, actually. Um, but in the short run, we've done a, a good number of sort of optimizations around gas usage. So we allow you to kind of mint your NFT without playing gas in a process we call lazy minting, um, which allows you to kind of get an NFT up there and then the gas is paid when it's actually purchased. So you don't have the same upfront cost. Um, there is one kind of upfront transaction that you have to do to get set up. But then once you've done that transaction, you can kind of mint for free and, and sell for free. Um, and and But there's still that gas cost burden on the, on the buyer. So that's kind of like one of the short-term things we've done. Um, but long-term, um, OpenSea, so we are working very collaboratively with lots of the layer two solutions and even lots of the um, layer one solutions that are coming online. And the way that we see things is evolving is that we'll really have a multi-chain ecosystem for NFTs and applications like ourselves will introduce people to this more scalable technology, but really just benefit um, you know, for example, we're not going to go and build at least right now. <laughs> we're we're not going to uh, we're not launching like Open Sea Chain or something like that, or building kind of like our own solution. Um, which you know maybe an interesting strategy in the, in the long term, depending on how things shape out. But um, we're we're actually just kind of working really closely with all of these different chain, chains, and many of them are ready today in production with NFT projects that have been begging us to support them and trade them. Um, and today you can actually go and you can explore um, NFTs on the Matic uh, or Polygon network on OpenSea. Um, they, they'll show up in your regular Ethereum account. And when you click on one, um, it'll say Matic trading is, is coming soon. So we haven't launched trading support yet, but we're already starting to um, explore, allow people to explore these NFTs on OpenSea um, and trading is sort of a fast follow. Um, and then on the other sort of non-layer two side of things, um, we're also, um, we've been, really good uh, friends with the folks at Dapper Labs for a long time around supporting Flow. We just announced that um, we'll eventually be launching Flow support. Uh, we're also collaborating with Tezos. So we're taking this pretty broad um, approach and saying like, you know, we really want to be a home for user-owned digital assets, regardless of what chain they're on. Of course, we have to be judicious about just kind of being spread thin across too many chains. Um, but ultimately, that's kind of the direction we we see things going and um, a lot of these new blockchains are really just kind of, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing that they want is user experiences where people can go in and get their hands dirty and, and try out these um, cheaper um, transactions uh, on, on you know, something like Matic. Devin, I want to beat a dead horse really quick because we have so many guests that come on like from L2 uh, protocols or DeFi apps implementing on L2. And and then we have, um, you know, people like Vitalik come on and say like sharding is just a few months away. Um, and <laughs> as a content producer, it's always kind of funny because so many people say like, oh, yeah, it's just it's like right around the corner. It's just like it's just right there. And the thing is, the timelines that people are giving are coming closer and closer and closer. So like L2s used to be a year away. Now they're like a couple months away, but they're never actually here. Right. They're never actually arrived. Maybe maybe you can just uh, give some comments as to that. It's like, OK, sure. Like, cool. You can you can do some stuff on Matic now, but like. What's, what is this actually going to be in front of the user's face where they are actually meaningfully exposed to literally like almost zero fee transactions or, or reasonable transactions? Yeah. Well, I, not to give the same answer that you've heard so many times, but I actually do think that we're getting really close. Like I would, I would say in the month, definitely in the month's range. Like, um, and, and, you know, I would say a proof point to that just to say, to show you that we're not just kind of like speaking about these things without any real um, uh, meat behind it, uh, is that you can go and explore Matic assets today on OpenSea, right? You can go and browse them. Um, and in fact, you can see them um, in your, what's what's really cool about these, these layer twos, um, even these sidechain solutions on the rollups, right? Um, is that 
you use this exact same Ethereum account and the exact same private key to interact with Matic. So all of the tooling, all the MetaMask. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any Matic NFTs? Yeah, so Devin, I, I, I want to uh, make sure I understand this. So right yeah. now I'm looking at a test wallet. It's like bank.eth, yeah. my test wallet, right? I've got some uh, bankless badges in here. All right. of these are on mainnet. I don't have anything on Matic. I have some uh, bankless badges on the XDAI. Um, okay, yeah, we, don't, we don't do X that at the moment. Okay. Hard. But I let's see. If you, if you yeah, go to, um, like, if you search in the search bar for Neon District. Okay. Uh, not not in that search bar, the top one. Um, so do this Neon District Season 1 items. Uh, not that one. Sorry, that, that one's on the internet. Um, but uh, Neon District Season 1 item. Then go down uh, and then click on one of those guys. You can see I, how. Can I click on a demon or a doc? Yeah, 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 demon, yeah. I'll do a demon. <laughs> Uh, and then scroll down to chain info. Uh, chain info. Wow, this is cool. So this is Matic. Yep, yep, yeah. And Very if cool. you had one in your account, it would show up. It would show up alongside everything. I have some in my account. Um, so that feels like, so I have a, a follow-up question. So first of all, let yeah. me just say, uh, that feels very seamless as a user, right? Like we're seamlessly moving in, in the user experience from something on Ethereum mainnet to something on the, the Matic uh, side chain or layer two chain. Um, mm -hmm. and, and you could do this with with any, I guess, chain that sort of supports the, the EVM. Right. Can I ask you, a, I guess, a bigger picture uh, question here? Because a lot of folks are wondering how this is going to uh, pan out, right? So I think, um, you know, if you've been listening to the bank list, you, you know that we're going to move towards a multi-chain future, right? In fact, we would argue we've already been in a multi-chain future, even like um, crypto exchanges. These are like side chains for Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? They're a bit more centralized, but they're almost like side chains. Mm -hmm. um, but like, what is, what matters most for an NFT, right? Um, so if I'm on XDAI or a side chain or a flow, I lose some of the decentralization properties and the settlement guarantees of something versus the Ethereum mainnet, right? Um, you know, flow is, is somewhat more permissioned, uh, for, for, for example. So, so are things like, like XDAI or even, even Matic in a, in a side chain. Um, how do you see this all, I guess, working out? And if I'm an NFT owner, it's very hard to tell whether I have the same settlement guarantees on a Matic or a Flow versus Ethereum, and like, when should I care? Is it is it the case that high value items you think will be secured and settled on something like the Ethereum mainnet, and lower value items they're fine on on side chains or more you know, centralized uh, layer one chains? What's your take on how this all evolves? I guess. I think that's right. I think um, there's a world where sort of lower value items can move around in these environments where the security guarantees are a little bit less stringent. Um, what I would point out is that um, I think what user, especially in sort of the, the lower value category, I think what users are going to care about is less about kind of, are there these extremely strong security guarantees around your NFT and more around how interoperable is it? So like, for example, um, can I go and move it to, can I go and sell it on OpenSea? Like that's a big deal because that means that there's liquidity for it whereas you know since we don't quite support matic yet there's not really a good marketplace where you can you can buy and sell these things so the the interoperability piece is i think the most important piece um and i think that's um you know one of the things that flow will have to really do a good job of um is promoting an ecosystem around the, the blockchain that they've sort of created with this flagship application now can they kind of expand that to other partners like ourselves and to other applications and create the magic of NFTs, which is really being able to move them across things. Because again, we've always had, there've always been digital assets, right? And uh, and sometimes you can buy and sell those digital assets in some environment, but the new thing here is digital assets that can, that can move across any environment and that have these brand new properties. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, in terms of that question around, um, where should assets live depending on how valuable they are um i think you're you're i think that's about right like i think maybe you you can acquire a really valuable asset in the matic network and then bridge it onto ethereum and kind of store it there like a crypto punk i think you know you may not want to have living in in a side chain for very long um that being said you know uh even when even when you issue things on a on a side chain like 
um, if things go wrong, there are still ways to kind of remint into Ethereum. Um, and you know, I, I think it's we'll see, but I, I think it's it's pretty hard to do like a full attack on NFTs where you actually, you know, um, because these things are kind of illiquid, right? So or, or a lot less liquid than in years in twenty. So even if you like obtained all the NFTs from some project, well you can kind of just in, invalidate those and remint on, on a more secure chain. Yeah, I think like the question in my mind too is like, yeah. when does an NFT stop being an NFT, right? You mentioned uh, kind of this interoperability and composability, right? But like, let's say something like Fortnite skins had mm -hmm. that and they just plugged into Ethereum or some other, you know, side chains. Could, would they be then NFTs? Or is there an element that an NFT has to have some level of, of permissionless, settlement guarantees and like decentralization in order to be an nft and maybe that's really hard to answer maybe the market figures this out over time but that's a question in my mind right is you know mm -hmm. uh is fortnite creating nfts we would probably say no yet mm -hmm. we would call something on flow nfts and we definitely call someone something on um ethereum an nft so where's the line here I don't know if that's a, a question anyone can answer at this point, but it's something in my mind. That's a great point. Yeah, I think because you could say, you know, Fortnite has its own protocol. It just is, uh, you know, it's backed by a database and it's fully controlled by one company and they're issuing digital assets on it. Um, so, you know, why isn't that uh, an NFT? And I think, I mean, I think the properties that I look for when thinking about an NFT is like, is it, is it, um, controlled by a single party or is the ownership layer sufficiently decentralized? And in the case of flow, like they're moving towards that in the case of Matic, you know, they have a, a, a large validator set. Um, and so, and then in the case of Ethereum, you know, it, it's been decentralized, uh, for, for quite some time now, right. Or since the inception. Um, so I think there's a spectrum, um, but, you know, I, I think your intuition is correct is that the market will probably determine, you know, whether they call something an NFT or not. Devin, I want to pivot to a new question um, out of the, uh, the out of the YouTube once again from Chulio. Uh, when will it be possible to mint an NFT and put a feature into it that you can lend to someone else? Say you want to lend it out for 60 days and it will automatically get returned back to you when the time is up. And I think what uh, to, to add on my own my own question onto this is what Chulio is really asking is like, Again, NFTs are software, and the answer to the question is, well, you can put anything into software, right? You can code up an NFT and, and make it do anything. But for people like me or Ryan who aren't technical or on coders, we're going to need to depend on infrastructure like OpenSea to allow some of this expressivity and financial and money logic to get integrated. So do, do you guys have any features down the pipeline about how to make NFTs a little bit more programmable in the same way that ETH is programmable money? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have we have a, a good number of features around kind of uh, some basic features around adding extra uh, bells and whistles to your NFT when you create it. So, for example, well, we, we allow ex very rich metadata so you can do images, audio, um, uh, movies, etc. Um, but then we also have what's called unlockable content. So you can create an NFT with uh, something that can only be unlocked by the user who purchases it. Right. So that's kind of an interesting thing people have been experimenting with. Um, I do think, it, yeah, in the future, like we want to add things like, you know, at the sort of smart contract layer, being able to customize an NFT, right? So that idea of, you know, maybe there's some sort of lending mechanic built into it. Um, but uh, I also think that, um, you know, at the end of the day, since this is so permissionless, you, you know, other projects can kind of come along and, and build all of those different um addendums to the sort of raw nft and still be completely interoperable with OpenSea. so i don't think it's just going to be like you know on us to add all to to um experiment here i think it, it'll be a community and market effort but certainly we'll be doing a lot of work to like improve the sorts of things that you can build through our no code creator so Devin, as we're, uh, we're moving towards uh, the close of this AMA, we've got just a couple more questions, but one I definitely need to ask you is what's in store for the future at OpenSea? So there, there's rumors of a, a raise going on. Uh, we, we see other NFT um, solutions that are kind of tokenizing. Uh, is there anything you can tell us about your future plans in those areas or anything else you want to highlight? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, can't mention those specific areas, but uh, in terms of our roadmap, um, I guess, you know, as I said before, like the, the main focus for us as a company is building a really great product and really great user experience that people want to come back to and that people find very valuable. Um, and uh, to that end, you know, we think one of the biggest challenges is the um, situation on Ethereum right now. So we're actively working on um, you know, a large portion of our team at the moment is working on um, our, our multi-chain strategy. Um, so that's coming up. Um, in terms of other features that we're excited about, um, you know, adding more sort of curation on top of OpenSea. So, you know, really being able to customize your profile and, and show off your NFTs in an interesting way. Um, better discovery on the platform. So being able to kind of quickly come on and find stuff that's interesting early on. Um, so, so sort of some of those um, core marketplace features that we think uh, are really important. Um, and then just continuing to work with more artists, creators, influencers, musicians as they come and learn about the space. So we get uh, uh, quite a lot of um, sort of inbound interest in learning about what is this new space and how do you create something that resonates with um, people. And, and so we're, we're, we're doing a lot yeah. of Devin, this is this is something that Blau said on our conversation with him earlier this week. He was like, um, we asked the question, are artists coming to this? And he said, everyone, everyone is coming to this. And then yeah. he named off like Halsey and Calvin Harris, yeah. all these big yeah, names, yeah. right? Is that what you're seeing? Is that what you're talking? Mm -hmm. I mean, you got Gronk. That's huge. Is yeah. this all coming from inbound interest? And do you have any kind of big names that you expect to uh, to be issuing on OpenSea in the future? Yeah, hundred percent inbound at the moment. It's just um, you know people kind of learning about it and getting excited and either having a concrete idea or wanting to figure out a concrete idea. Probably can't disclose any of the ones that are coming up um, just so that they you know remain um, uh, a surprise. But uh, we have a ton of ton of people who are who are going to be launching NFTs pretty soon, um, and I think it should be should be really exciting. Um, yeah, Devin, I got one question that I got to ask. Sure. Is there room for an OpenSea token in the future? <laughs> uh, un yeah, undetermined. Um, we're definitely not opposed to uh, uh, adding a tokenization component. We just want to, we've always wanted to be very thoughtful about it um, and figure out kind of what is the um, strategy that would resonate with, with most people um, and not feel kind of gimmicky and, and feel like there's like a real future behind it as opposed to just something that's more of like powered by right. um, speculation. Very cool. Devin, thank you for so, uh, so much for coming and giving on your time. I want to finish off with this last question. I think we'll tie things off very well. Uh, say you're in the elevator with, uh, you know, Mark Cuban or some somebody of his nature, and you have just a few brief minutes to explain to him the maximally successful version of OpenSea in one, five, 10 years. What is that pitch? Well, I would say, um, I think if you think about uh, sort of the internet and the 4 billion or so people that are on it and all the content that's being produced on the internet, and then if you layer on property rights on that, um, the, as I said, the design space for all of the different things that could be tokenized is just so wide. And at the end of the day, I actually do think we're talking about the biggest economy on the planet um, is going to be fueled by NFTs. Um, and so then, of course, for, for that economy to be successful, you need a powerful marketplace where people can go and, and trade these things around and, and know that they're getting the right thing. Um, and it, that, that marketplace, you know, there's probably, there's going to be a, a bunch of them, but there are going to be some ones that uh, provide what consumers really want and, and end up being kind of the, the winners. And I think OpenSea is perfectly positioned uh, to, to uh, be that. So, um, uh, you know, I think the, a future is where um, just this, this asset class expands um, and OpenSea is, is that sort of premier marketplace for a brand new asset class that's really, you know, it, it's growing quickly, but um, it's still, in, in my opinion, in its very early stages. An aggregator to the biggest economy in the world. That is the pitch from Devin at OpenSea. <laughs> 
Where do I sign my check? Uh, where do I write my check, Devin? It sounds pretty cool. Um, thank you so much for your time today. We yeah. appreciate you hanging with the Bankless Nation, and we're super excited about NFTs. So, uh, you know, keep a, keep keep us um, keep us tuned into what's going on, what you guys are up to. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. All right, guys, risks and disclaimers. We always talk about this, but we are, of course, headed west. NFT speculation is risky. So is ETH. So is DeFi. You could lose what you put in. But this is the frontier. It's not for everyone. But thanks so much for joining us on another AMA with Bankless.